Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast for your weekly dose of inspiration. Today I'm joined by a guest named Fiona Sanford, who is the CEO of Flourish Girl. Fiona was a 2023 semi-finalist in the Spirit Super Create Change Award, and Flourish Girl was actually a winner in that same year in the Victorian Government Group Achievement in the Community Award, both of those being part of the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards program. Flourish Girl is helping build self-confidence, self-awareness, and social connectedness. Flourish Girl is a preventative mental health and emotional intelligence charity. They deliver rites of passage programs to teenage girls and gender-diverse teens, aged 13 to 18 years old. Since 2018, Flourish Girl has worked with over 12,500 teens across 84 schools. They delivered close to 150 workshops in 2022 alone. So to tell us whether that bio is still accurate, welcome, <laughs> Fiona. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Absolute yes. pleasure. Thank you. It's it's so special even just to reflect on on those statistics and how they have actually increased significantly uh, in the last couple of months. We've now worked with over 17,000 young people, which blows my mind to to know that we're having such a positive impact on that many young people and now in over 100 schools across Victoria. So a bit of growth since um, early yeah. on in the year, which has been really exciting. That's pretty huge because this bio would have been written um, early months of this year. Yeah. And to go from 12,500 teens that you've worked with to 17,000, over 17,000, is a bit of like exponential growth, really. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild this year, actually. We've noticed kind of each year, year on year, we've increased significantly. But the I guess the demand for the program at the moment and the need for what young people are really struggling with and having a safe space for them to share uh, their challenges or their struggles and what they're, um, yeah, I guess I guess what they're really going through underneath the surface is, yeah, schools are really noticing that that's, that's so needed for, for young people right now. We've got so many questions about the growth, but I want to, I'm, I'm mindful of not skipping ahead, you know, I'm wanting yeah. to paint a picture of what Flourish Girl is for people who haven't heard of it. Um, so, yeah. you know, you've given us a good little intro and breakdown on it. Can you tell us, you know, a bit about how it started? Um and the process that I'm interested in this too, actually. Yeah. Do do you approach a school? Do they approach you? Probably both. Probably both. <laughs> um, yeah, so Flourish Girl was founded in 2018 by the incredible Ashani Dante. She uh, grew up in Sydney and New South Wales and really acknowledged that there were so many challenges that young people were going through that she was noticing but didn't actually realise that they weren't normal um, yes, that there was young people struggling with certain mental health challenges, but that it, there was nothing coming at a preventative level. So Ashani start, started uh, Flourish Girl back in 2018. And then since then, 
Um, I, I was actually a part of the very first workshop as a volunteer facilitator. Really? Yeah, when we when we did that in 2018, which is really special to just be a part of the journey and really see Flourish Girl evolve and and also knowing and, and noticing the, the changes in the young people. Obviously, we've had COVID. There's such a lack of connection with young people. Yes, they're on their phones so much, but really noticing this uh, this change and uh, I guess not stagnancy, but change in challenges that young people are going through around emotional intelligence, around mental health. We're having lots of conversations. Our facilitators go into the workshops and lots of facil- uh, lots of conversations around um, eating disorders, self-harming, suicide. Uh, and I guess two years ago, maybe there were one or two conversations like that, but this is like very, very common. Yeah. So what we're really noticing is the as soon as young people are created um, and provided a safe space where they can just have permission to be themselves and share what's really there for them and introduced to some tools in how to actually share about what they're going through. A flourish girl, we do a check-in. So it's an opportunity for them to, yeah, really share what's below the surface. And I think the the thing that really makes our program special is our facilitators. And I think that's why this the award that we got at the start of the year really just encapsulates everything that we do at Flourish Girl. And it's about young people leading young people. And our facilitators are 18 to 30 year olds who are really passionate about young people, maybe have experience in psychology or studying social work, youth work, um, or just really passionate facilitators who care about young people. And they come in and they share vulnerably and they share their stories about what are the journey that they've been on across their life. And it's in those moments that the young people see a role model that's actually being open and vulnerable about what they've been through. And it gives them the permission to be like, oh, hey, she's kind of cool and I can I can do that and not be judged. And I think that's a, like a, a really beautiful part of what we do at Flourish Girl is provide that role model um, for these young people in the workshops. Yeah. You touched on that at the start of what you were saying about, you know, teens and, you know, all of us a bit really are on our phones so much. Mm. And when you have that social media presence and that's what you're basing role models on, yeah. it's not even you know some influences are you know vulnerable and that's great but it's really a polished what they want to show you and as you said when you get someone in front of you really sharing vulnerably and openly it's yeah. uh gives them permission to do it just as you said so that sounds yeah. like a fantastic uh, amazing kind of program can i ask yeah. who are the typical uh facilitators and you know how would they get involved yeah so our facilitators as i said earlier were aged um like 18 to 30 um, every now and then we do a recruitment drive, but are always looking for facilitators who are or people who are interested in helping young people to deliver these programs. I think um, our facilitators are happy and comfortable to be vulnerable about themselves, to share about their challenges and to really showcase what's possible if we are actually sharing about what we're going through. And I think the the one thing I love about our facilitators is the the love, the passion, and the energy that they bring into the space. Um, we always kind of talk about our facilitators being the, you know, when you go to a, a family event and you've got that when you're growing up, you've got that like cool older cousin who um, you kind of want to hang around with, you want to listen to, and you want to learn from. Like that's kind of the vibe that we have with our facilitators that yeah. the young people can relate to them. Um, and look up to them, but it's not someone looking like looking up to someone who seems really out of reach. Mm. And I think 
as you said on social media, like there's all these people that, um, yeah, there's all these people that are on social media and influencers or sporting icons and these kind of things, but a lot of them actually feel quite out of reach or they feel quite polished or they feel like they've got it all together or they they look like on on social media they're they're high it's it's just a highlight reel of what's actually going on in their life and i think that's why our facilitators have such a strength of like we don't we don't mind if we muck up the words that we say in our workshop because it gives the young people permission it doesn't matter if i lose my words and i'm like oh man i just don't even know what i was saying right now or i stuff up my sentence our facilitators give the the permission for the young people to do the same and role model that rather than having to look absolutely perfect, fully put together. And I think bringing that like um, diversity, what the, the facilitators wear and their energy and some are slow paced, some are fast paced, like really bringing and and providing the young people with a variety of, of potential role models, I think is a really special part of what we do. And as you said, like they don't necessarily have a power, powerful role models like that on social media. I know there's some out there, but what we notice with the young people is more often than not the the people that they follow on social media, when we get them to think about it being like, hey, when you think about social media, how does it make you feel? Like the people that you follow, mm-hmm. if you're following all these things, all these people, when you look at their stuff, how does it actually make you feel? And it's really interesting to see the light bulb go up, go off in their head and be like, oh, actually a lot of the people I follow, when I look at their stuff, it makes me feel bad or it makes me judge myself because I'm not doing that or I'm not achieving, in quotation marks, achieving as much as what they are. And I think, yeah, it's just a really powerful tool for them to be like, oh, I actually, actually, like that makes me feel bad. So why am I doing that? Like giving them back the power to be like, oh, I don't actually have to follow them anymore. Like That's I can so unfollow true. them yeah. or I can mute them or whatever it might be and surround themselves with people who are inspiring and do lift them up and make them feel good, not people that they think they should follow. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I find that really interesting. It is. <laughs> we need to do like the Marie Kondo uh, technique on our social media. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Does this person spark away for me? Um, yeah, yeah, that's such yeah. a good point, and I love that your uh, the way you described your facilitators like the cool older cousin. Yeah. As soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, that's my cousin Sharona. <laughs> I know you can yeah, literally like picture the cousin. <laughs> always had the cool music, cool yes. clothes, and you're just like, yeah. oh, she's so cool. How am I going to be that like creative and interesting when I get older? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I love, I love that we get to provide that and I think like one of the other things our facilitators do so beautifully is yes we go into workshops and we have content that we're going to deliver but it's also it's very much what happens in the space and and what the young people want to bring into the space as to the conversations that we have um, our facilitators yeah are really able to be flexible uh, and kind of like mold what we're talking about to what the young people actually need in that moment because we're, we're not here to come and preach at them or teach them. It's like, hey, let's just have a conversation and explore some topics with you. And if we go in the direction to judgment, which is something that we talk a lot about, awesome. If we go into a conversation about how we feel pressured to be a certain way, awesome. If we go into a conversation about, hey, who's the person that you actually really want to be? Who's the person you aspire to be? Awesome. Like, let's focus around that. So it's really being able to mold and weave to what the young people um want and, and and need in that moment which I think is something yeah not many organizations do maybe they have the 
specific content that they need to get through. And I, I love that we just provide space for them, for us to meet them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so got some questions about the participants who, you know, come along. Um, is it held at the school usually? Yeah. So, oh, you asked the question before about where do we, um, how do we connect in with schools? So, yeah, a lot of it has been either the schools will contact us or we'll do reach out to certain schools. As I said, we're all across Victoria. We've done quite a few schools in regional Vic and rural Victoria, which has been really special. Um, and obviously, majority of our programs are in Metro Melbourne. Uh, yeah. But yeah, our all our programs are from high school, so Year Seven to Year Twelve. We do Level One, Two, and Three programs. So Level One is all about like the self awareness. How am I feeling? Can I check in with myself? Um, what are the judgments I'm putting on myself? Level two is about the relationships they're having with other people, whether that be romantic, whether that be friendships, whether that be family. Um, and level three is all about the community. So how do we help them become leaders in their community? Uh, so, yeah, our, our um, young people are aged between 13 and 18. Uh, and when Flourish Girl started, we, I guess the, like, gender diversity wasn't in schools as much as what it is now and I think it's been such a special change and shift with our language and our learnings around especially in the last two years how do we really provide a safe space for gender diverse young people to be a part of our workshops hence why in the last year or so we've changed our language and I think they they go through so many struggles these gender diverse teens anyway how do we just break down and change the um, the expectations and the pressures that they might feel and how do we just create a safe space for them to be because ultimately through our programs, we just want young people to be themselves. And if yeah. we do that and give them the permission to do that, then we've won. Like that's amazing. And that goes for any young person that participates. Well, you kind of um, must have read my mind because I wanted to ask you as well about, you know, you, you mentioned the safe spaces and it's in schools. How do you go about, you know, creating a safe space in an environment where say a, a team is not that comfortable at school um that could be a challenge such a great question such a great question i think this is like um credit to the facilitators that we have um i think there's like two main things for me that when i think about facilitating and making people feel safe and comfortable there's um through story and through play and i think through story by sharing our story and sharing our vulnerability and allowing them to mirror that, that's an opportunity for them to feel really safe and comfortable. Uh, and then also through play, it's like giving them the permission to be a child. We do icebreakers yeah. at the start. We do games. We do silly things. And again, like having that role model that they can be like, oh, I've never seen like an adult woman or an adult gender diverse person just like be silly in front of other people and give the, the role model um yeah, give the like playfulness uh, through that. And I think also the the way that we set up our programs, we very much take them on a journey. We don't just jump straight into the vulnerability. It's like we take them on a journey across the full day. So we're lucky enough to work with them over a full school day, which I know right. not many organizations get to. So it's absolutely a privilege that we get to take them on this journey across the day. And our workshops are really set to kind of bring the light and the fun and the story at the start of the day to start to get them to maybe share a little bit about themselves but kind of in like a not a hard way maybe it's just like a little bit challenging but not something massive and then as we step down into the middle part of the day in between recess and lunch 
that's when we really encourage them to, through activities, through dance movement, through all different things that we do, um, start to share more about themselves and more about what they're really going through. As I mentioned earlier, one of the big conversations we have is around judgment. It's really easy to feel the pressures that they feel, uh, to talk about the pressures that they feel by society. The, I don't know if you've seen the Barbie movie or if anyone has. My wife has, and I need to go see it. Yeah. It's like there's part, there's part of it. I'm sure you probably heard the monologue or seen the monologue, but the, the pressures that young people feel around like they must have a big butt, big boobs, um, small waist, long hair. Um, they have to like be straight. They have to be white, like all of these different pressures that they feel. And it's actually giving them the space to share about these challenges. And in that moment, when we talk about that and we talk about the judgments that they feel on themselves, that some of the comments they have are, I'm not good enough or I'm fat, I'm ugly, my friends don't like me, they're just pretending, um, I'm not smart enough, I'm going to make my family, I'm not going to make my family proud, all of these different pressures. And it's it's the opportunity when the girls are like, oh, my gosh, she feels like that and so do they and she feels like that. And, wait, I thought she had all her stuff together. Like I thought she was perfect and but but they all feel like that. And it's that like drop in the moment where these young people actually realise that every single person in the room, adults as well, the staff members, like the, um, the staff members have an opportunity to share too and it's that that moment when the young people actually realise, oh, I'm I'm not alone in what I'm going through. And I think that's such a powerful moment for them to connect to each other, not just on social media or not just on the phone, but actually really connect and, and realise, oh, I'm not in this alone. And then we start to have the conversation, okay, what can I do when I'm struggling? Or what can I do to support the people in this room, to support the people around me? Um, and I think that's like that movement and flow and we do it through different activities, yes, speaking, dancing, writing on post-it notes, these kind of things, provides them the opportunity to start to feel safer and start to share. And it takes one incredible young person with so much courage to be the first person to share and then it's a snowball. Yeah. It's a snowball of all the all the shares from from young people. Yeah, so I think there's lots of different ways that we make them feel safe but ultimately it's them making each other feel just as safe which is the bit that i love yeah that's always important as you were saying you know that role model level but then that peer-to-peer um yeah. support and then because that's what's going to be lasting as well is there you know they go to school with them every day so they yeah. can help support each other yeah yeah for sure i think that's that's like such an incredibly important part of um the reintegration piece after a workshop yes we go through the journey together and then then we leave and it's like actually it's on them to continue the journey. It's on, yes, on the teachers, but it's also also what are the tools that we can provide them during the day when they're struggling as an individual? What can they do to look after themselves? Maybe it's dance, maybe it's listen to music, maybe it's go for a run, maybe it's journal, whatever it might be. And then how do they support each other? And I think it's a really, it's a really beautiful list that they come up with and um, opportunity for them to really lean on each other and ask ask something of each other because I don't think they have very often get the chance to do that. Um, I'm not sure what you you can share because obviously I understand we're talking about safe space for young people and then yeah. going out and sharing their story publicly, but are there any 
you know, stories that really come to mind or, or really spring out that you you think you'd be able to share? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I won't share names. Um, there's like there's so many that come to my head. I think we had a beautiful opportunity recently to be out in a regional school, and it's really interesting being in regional rural schools versus um, metro Melbourne schools. Like, yes, they're all going through something, but their challenges are quite different. Um, and we were in this regional school. Some of our facilitators were out there and this young person was sitting in the circle and kind of had been a bit of the like sassy, um, sassy girl, not interested throughout the day. And it got to this middle section, which I was just talking to you about. And she started to share and she started to share about what she was actually going through. Everyone in the room just thought she was the bully. They thought she was like the main girl, the one who, yeah, was just angry at everyone, angry at life. And what actually happened was she shared about all the challenges, the mental health challenges that she was going through, the family challenges that she was going through back at home, and no one in the room knew. As she was sharing this, she was like, oh, yeah, I just, like, I guess the way she coped was, like, throwing stuff out at other people and bullying other people or being mean to other people without even realising that she was doing it. And so as she started to share, everyone in the room was kind of like, oh, this all makes sense. But then she went one step beyond that and she really took responsibility for the impact that she'd had in that year and a half. And she pointed out to a couple of girls and spoke directly to them and said, I apologise for bullying you. I apologise for this comment. I apologise for the impact that it had on you. And the other girls were just like, how special for them to get an apology but also for them to realise what was going on behind the scenes for that young person. And I think we often, like as facilitators, we often talk about the young people that are like super sassy or super mean or don't want to be there. They're the ones that need it the most because Mm. they're the ones that quite often don't want to talk about what they're going through and therefore don't necessarily have a safe space to talk about what they're going through. And I think, yeah, it was just a really, really powerful opportunity recently for that young person to apologise and then for everyone to really, like, get behind her and say, like, thank you, how can we help, like, what's next, how do we, like, yep. help you on this journey? And I think that just bringing together of of all the young people in the room is really special. That is. And that sharing on its own is really powerful and then combined with the, you know, mm-hmm. owning up and taking responsibility yeah. That yeah, that's huge for for that person moving forward. So yeah. that's a brilliant one. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Like I have I've had that a couple of times where young people will actually apologize for what for their actions. But like it whether they apologize or not, it's it's the opportunity that they have to share really about what they're going through. And there's been a lot recently about body image and like young people really sharing about their the the way that they feel about their body and how their friends can't imagine that they're thinking those things. And I, yeah, have, have been in workshops recently where that's really been a a pivotal moment for even friend, like within friendship groups, for them to see the that, oh, wow, she's really struggling and how can we help her with that? But also that we all kind of feel like that and like yeah. a lot of the time we're all judging our bodies and so it's allowing that person to realise they're not alone in that challenge and they can lean on they can lean on other people for support if they need to. Yeah. 
Well, uh, definitely just from doing this podcast and speaking with Young Achiever Awards participants, um, I've noticed that as an ongoing theme that people are really, you know, facing imposter syndrome massively and yeah. feeling like that they're not good enough. And it could be for so many different reasons. It could be, you know, culturally, mm-hmm. um, you know, gender, uh, where they fit in the community. And so, mm. yeah, the work you're doing is fantastic and it's addressing that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I um, yeah, I feel very blessed to be able to lead lead this organization and the work that we're doing. I know everyone that's involved in it, from board level all the way through to the um, volunteers that we have, are so passionate about just making a difference. And yeah. I think the other piece with Flourish Girl is like, how do we provide an opportunity not just for the young people to feel safe, but the staff members, the board members, the the community at Flourish Girl? How do we uplift them and how do we encourage them to step up and learn and grow? And it's funny that you mentioned imposter syndrome. Like, man, I've been feeling that. I stepped into this role in January this year and it's been a roller coaster ride and it's been amazing and there's been so many highs. But it's also, yeah, it's 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 tough to be like, oh, I'm a, a woman, I'm young and I'm leading this organisation and I want and I'm so desperate for it to succeed and I'm so passionate about it succeeding because of, my own story and my own journey. Um, I was a gymnast for 18 years, but my own journey with the young people that I was surrounded by and their mental health struggles. So I feel like everyone that's involved in Flourish Girl really has that um, deep connection to what we're doing and wanting to provide a safe space for young people and to provide a space for all people involved in the organisation to really thrive and grow and, well, flourish. (laughs) Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> so you were a day one, you know, at the first <laughs> workshop you said that's awesome. Yeah. And then this yeah. year becoming the CEO, um, which is very special. So I had the pleasure of meeting Ashani uh, probably a few years yeah. ago now at our Young Achiever Awards event in mm-hmm. New South Wales. Yeah. And then was so, so happy to see um, Flourish Girl nominated and things like that. And obviously you nominated. So how's that journey been, you know, becoming CEO Ashani recently um, you know, founder uh, stepping down. Um, yeah. Can you yeah, walk us through that? Because that must have been really challenging. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like it's been such a journey. Um, to think like 2018 was what, five years ago actually just blows my mind that that was the first workshop. I feel like it was maybe last year. Um, <laughs> it's just got all gone so quickly. Um, it's yeah, true. I- like COVID was last year and then the year before that was 2018. So that's- yeah, like it actually just blows my mind. Um, yeah. So I think like my journey along Flourish Girl has been through volunteer facilitating, then stepping into facilitating. And uh, like early on, it was, there was only a group of like five of us. There was Ashani, myself and a few other incredible facilitators. And yeah, then we've kind of just grown and, and, year on year, as I said earlier, just growing little bit by little bit until COVID hit. And then it just went absolutely mental um, after COVID, which is so beautiful because it means schools were really investing in the young people and investing in their wellbeing. And I saw that shift um, at the end of 2020, I came on as head of programs of Flourish Girl. So was the like liaison with the school, booking the school programs, really having an opportunity to share um, and grow Flourish Girl, I remember at the end of 2020, I said to Ashani, you need help. You can't do this anymore by yourself. Like you've got this incredible vision, but she was trying to do everything. And I just literally was like, you need help. I want to help. Like, let me do this. 
So I stepped into the role and eventually just grew from there. And I think, yeah, the journey with Ashani has been like amazing to see her absolutely like flourish in Flourish Girl, to see her grow and evolve and get to the point where it's like, hey, actually, I feel like I've given everything. And she really had, like she's given everything she has over the last like five, six, seven years of this beautiful idea. And now it's it's beyond her. It's bigger than her. It's like now we've worked with 17,000 young people and that just like blows my mind every time I say it. And so, yeah, I think it's like it's been so many things. It's been a challenge like seeing Ashani step away. She's also one of my like really closest friends. Um, so I don't get to see her every day, which is hard and I don't get to speak to her every day. Like we message and stuff, but um, yeah. But seeing her go from, and I think this is really powerful opportunity that founders quite often don't get to do or don't do, she actually realised when she'd given absolutely everything and when she wanted to move on to her next chapter. And I think the way she did that and the power she, in in such a powerful way, it set Flourish Girl up for success, but it also set up herself herself for success. Yeah. Um, and in turn, it set me up for success to be able to take take over this organization. Um, yeah, and I think like taking over a CEO, that has been a whole ride. I've loved it. There's been so many challenges. Um, we're still a startup, so there's lots of challenges coming with the startup. It's very fast paced. Um, and yeah, like I think at the moment, like trying to recruit facilitators that's our biggest challenge because we just need more facilitators to hit the demand for the amount of programs that we're doing. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really exciting opportunity. I feel like I've leveled up in so many ways. Um, and in the past three, no, sorry, five months, we've employed three more staff members, um, two full time. And we've also just brought on head of mental health and impact, who's a clinical psychologist, Helen, uh, oh, which good. is, yeah, which is just, highlighting and like the reason we did that was because it's the mental health challenges these young people are going through before COVID yeah there was mental health challenges but a lot of it was quite whether we didn't know about it or whether people didn't talk about it but it was quite light whereas yeah. now that what the facilitators are hearing and yeah so we're really taking the initiative to be like okay we need a psychologist on board and we need them to help deliver um create the programs evaluate the programs, help support the young people, help support the facilitators, help support the staff members who are hearing some challenging things. Um, and I think, yeah, that's just some really powerful and proud things that like things that I'm really proud of over the past couple of months in, um, yeah, really building the organization and uh, how do we set it up for success moving forward. So as CEO, you know, some people, you know, if they're younger listeners, might yeah. think that sounds very fancy. Um, older, more jaded listeners would know that CEO probably never gets any work done because there's just too much yep. things to answer and Pretty much. Know, meetings to attend. So what's a typical day for you like, Fiona? Oh, I feel like it changes so much day on day. Um, I think the the biggest thing that I've probably become aware of is um, how important it is to look after your staff. And we're, we're such a small team at the moment. There's, as I said, there's four full-time staff, staff, including myself, and we've got our head of programs who's coming on as two days. And then we've got 20 facilitators as well. So 
I think for me, a lot of it is making sure that the staff are okay, making sure the facilitators are set, um, making sure that I've yeah really set everyone else up for success in in order for me to do the other things that I need to do. Um, as a startup, there's been lots of um, governance type things, like really setting the foundations of the organization, working through strategy, where are we going, where do we want to go, who are the people we want to impact. Um, I'm also like applying for grants and awards and fundraising. Um, so there's lots of different hats that I have at the moment. Um, really grateful for a couple of the partnerships that we've had. We've got um, Mecca Empower. We're a part of their collective, which has been incredible for the donation, but also um, probably more so the connections and opportunities they've given. Um, we've also just partnered with Litemba um, in their most recent um, uh, partnership agreement. And, yeah, that's a really exciting opportunity for us to develop our facilitators even more. Um, yeah, so I feel like day-to-day it, it kind of is a bit all over the place depending on what's needed and when. Um, I think someone said to me once about being a CEO, it's choosing choosing and knowing that everything is a priority, but what's the most, like the biggest priority. And I think yeah. that was like, that was so important because there is so many things in a startup and as a CEO that you have to look at. Um, but what is the number one priority? And I think for me, the number one priority is our staff and our programs and how do we like best support those them. So yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the challenge with a, a startup and, and any oh. you know smaller organization that's really doing big things is that the, yeah. the work list, the things mm. to do is actually endless. Like it's yeah. legitimately, you could work 24 hours a day on it. Um, yeah. And so that's so true what you were saying about picking everything's a priority, but what is the absolute? Yeah. We, um, we use this, one of our board members taught this to me early on. It was like three glass balls, three rubber balls. So glass balls are, um, what are the three things this week that you have to do? Otherwise, if you drop them, they'll smash. And then the rubber balls, it's like three things. What are the things that, three things that you need to do this week? And if you don't do them, it's not great, but they'll bounce back and you can get to them next week. And I love that. I was like, oh, that just makes my to-do list so much easier. Yes, it's a never-ending to-do list. And I think also just having that in your mind that you actually can't get to the end of the to-do list because there's always going to be more things. I say this and I also need to remind myself of this because sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so long. Um, but I think one of the challenges that I've really fe- felt and faced recently is actually spending time looking after myself as you said like as a CEO or a startup or even just like anyone doing any role it's so easy if you're passionate about something to get and allow it to consume your life and I have like there has been times this year when I've been so consumed in absolutely everything Flourish Girl and realized oh I'm actually not even looking after myself I'm not exercising I'm not going for a walk I'm not journaling, I'm not meditating, I'm not seeing my family or seeing my friends. Um, and so that's been a really big challenge in it. And I think something that's really important for us to talk about because unless we're looking after ourselves, we can't look after the organization. And like there have been times where I'm like, I get really sick and I'm like, when I think about it, oh, that's because I wasn't actually doing the things to look after myself. So a reminder for myself, but also a reminder for everyone listening. Yeah, what are the little things that you can do every day to actually look after yourself? Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's sitting in the sun. Maybe it's just sitting down having a coffee um, and taking a few minutes just to breathe. Um, yeah. 
There's some great insights there. I actually wrote down the three glass balls and three rubber balls. It's so good. It's good. It's, it's very good. It's, it's really, it's really helpful with staff members too, because like they're, it's like you've got your list, but then everyone has their lists. And it's how do you just be super clear on what are the priorities and how can you help like your staff members or other people in the organization to know and help prioritize what their glass balls are? Yep. So I'm definitely not in your target audience of participants, um, not being a teenage girl or a gender diverse teen myself. <laughs> but yeah. every, a lot of what you're saying is is uh, really speaking to me um, and uh, I'm getting a lot out of this chat myself. So have you ever done, you know, anything for corporate teams or is that just too far removed from, you know, your number one uh, goal? Yeah, we haven't specifically. We've done a few, like we've dabbled in a few different things. Um we offer teacher training and parent information sessions where we talk about like what it is that we're going to be talking about with the young people, give the parents some tools that they can use and also the teachers, like what are the things that they can do and the knowledge that we have that we can um, pass that on to them outside of a workshop because ultimately if we, if we just work with the young person, that's awesome, but as soon as they leave that room or potentially as soon as they leave the community of the school, and go back into a normal day-to-day or nighttime with their family and their family potentially don't know what they've just done. They've had a transformational experience, but then they go back into normal life and it can be quite jarring. So how do we set the young person up for success around the like the whole community around them, that be their teachers, their parents and the young people? So we've done a little bit of um, those kind of things. We've done our teacher training and parent information sessions and still offer those. Um yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, I feel like absolutely everyone can benefit from these conversations. We um, did a session with Mecca, some of the Mecca retail staff in New South Wales yesterday, just online for an hour. And it was really powerful. Introduce them to a check-in, like the most basic tool that we use at Flourish Girl is a check-in. And it's like each person, you're in a pair, one person has two minutes, maybe three minutes to share how are you really going. And then the other person is not allowed to say anything. You just have to listen. And then once that person's finished, we switch over. And it's an opportunity for for people to really, yeah, have the space just to share what's there, but also know that they can share what's below the surface. Um, so we did that with a Mecca, Mecca team the other day, um, which was really powerful and really beautiful. Um, and just a, like when you're in a corporate or a fast-moving organisation, it's so important. Um, but no, I don't like, I think we're so focused on the young people and they're in that, like they need it so much. So I don't necessarily think we're going to go into adults, um, other than helping them have the knowledge to support young people. Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. our niche. But as you, as you said, like this work is so important and we'll continue to share the learnings from the young people and what we're doing on social media or on podcasts or whatever it might be to help everyone because yeah, you're right. Like there's sometimes where I need to be like, oh, damn, I need to be in a workshop because I've forgotten to look after myself or I've forgotten to reach out to this person because I know they can help me or whatever it might be. So I think it's, it's yeah. Constantly coming back to like, we're never perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but how can we continue, continue to um, surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us to be the best versions of ourselves and how do we take that responsibility on ourselves as well? Yep. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's so many um, challenges and 
you know, for you to focus on, but as an organization, what's probably your biggest challenge you're facing right now? Yeah. Oh, biggest challenge I think we're facing right now is um, having enough facilitators to deliver on the amount of programs that we want to be doing and the, the, the demand that's coming from the schools. I think that partly comes from needing um, like more funding to support the facilitators and their growth. We can't just throw in any old person with no training because they're holding such sacred spaces for these young people. So making sure that the facilitators feel really safe and supported um, to deliver really powerful content. So I think that's one challenge that we have is, yeah, not wanting to and kind of, I guess, restricting ourselves a little bit, not wanting to expand too quickly and losing the quality and the impact of what we're actually doing. Um, But we can only increase more facilitators by increasing the program numbers at the moment. So it's a little fine line balance. It's a bit of a like cycle that we're in. Um, But yeah, when we get a little bit of funding, like we did from um, Lip Temba, that was really powerful. And I think the other thing, like the biggest challenge that we're facing kind of comes down to like the conversations that the facilitators are having with the young people. It's, it's so much heavier than it's ever been. Um, So it's taking an emotional toll on some of the facilitators. It's on the staff members. It's, how do we really look after ourselves and our team? Um, hence why I talk about the, like, what are we doing to look after ourselves every single day? Because I think, yeah, it's making sure that they're set up for success and, and looking after themselves. Hence why we've just brought on our head of mental health and impact to really support in that space. Um, and then, yeah, I think always as a startup and a charity, the challenge is wanting to get more donations and more funding and more partnerships and and looking to, yeah, always expand into and work with organisations that are really like-minded. Um, there are so many incredible organisations out there. I've met some through the awards and even went and, like, we presented at one of the other organisations who was in our category. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Strive. Um, Brianna from Strive Health Initiative awesome. with um, University of Melbourne. We went to the... Um, health and wellness day health fair i think it was what it was called um which was supporting the um, uni students at melbourne um, with all different uh, organizations who were there to talk about health and we came along and we had conversations and i think it was just a really how do we continue to partner with and work with other organizations um and like up level each other and and platform each other rather than being competition how do we collaborate um Yes, I think that's a really important part of our next journey. Who, who yeah. are we working with and how can we platform each other? Do you, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but, you know, a lot of startup culture or people advising startups is, all right, scale, grow, mm. expand. And you've got almost the, uh, not the opposite, but you're really focused on just making sure that everyone is looked after, that you're doing what you do really well. So do you find it hard sometimes to get that kind of expert advice or, um, you know, external mentorship because others may not be, you know, on the same kind of path that you are? Yeah, I think it's been interesting. We had a strategy day in March and I think that gave so much clarity because from a board level but also like our exec team, it was very much we are based in Victoria for the next three years unless we go like unless there's amazing things that happen, like to really have that clarity that our focus is all the young people in Victoria. I think 
that was a really powerful choice and step that we took to not scale too quickly and potentially lose the um, impact of what we were doing, lose the quality of what we were doing, but to really focus on what we're doing in Victoria. And I think like, as, as I've said, our facilitators are our absolute assets. So as soon as we scale super wide, um, again, that's, that's a challenge that we're going to have eventually. What's like, how do we do that? And um, how do we do that in a way that we don't lose heaps of money or um, invest in, in too much? But I think, yeah, at the moment, I think that was a really powerful opportunity for us to just be like, no, we're focusing on schools in Victoria for the next three years. And I think with that clarity, it means that anyone that we bring in, anyone I speak to in um, mentorships or partnerships or um, any of our other staff that reach out to you, like we're super clear on where we stand um, and it allows for, I guess, like a, a conversation to be had that isn't then like brought out into different areas. In saying that, I think I'm always open to to that changing the three years, but I think it would only change if there was a significant opportunity that we had that was not going to lose the impact of what we're actually doing now um, and the quality of what we're doing. And I think like that's actually advice that we have got from some of our partners and organisations is don't don't scale too quickly because they've seen the impact of what happens when small organisations scale too quickly. Yeah. I think it's actually been interesting. It's actually been the opposite. It's been like, yeah, don't scale too quickly, um, because we are in a we are in a position that's really healthy at the moment, and yeah, wanting to continue. Like, there's so much growth that we can have in Victoria at this point, still. So you mentioned working with Strive, uh, one of the fellow finalists in the Victorian Government Group Achievement in the Community Award, which is awesome. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you had a really good group, and uh, it did seem like, and obviously you won, but it did seem like a very celebratory happy affair that night at the event um, held at the Sofitel in Melbourne. Can you walk us through your experience with that? You know, when you were up there as a finalist, um, were you happy with that, not expecting to win or um, how was the experience that night? Oh, my gosh. To be honest, I we weren't even expecting to get in to be a finalist. So the fact that we were a finalist was, like, absolutely incredible. I was the first person to be called up as the finalist to, to get your um, certificate. And as per the instructions of the day, I went to sit back down. And then I realized everyone else was actually still waiting over the other side for the final, like for the winner to be called. Yeah, and some I, people went rogue. Yeah. And I was like, okay, am I supposed to be back over there? I don't know. And then all my tables like, B, I think you should be back. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I may as well walk back. Like, it's probably unlikely we're going to win, but I can celebrate with everyone else. I was at the I was at the back of all the groups and when our name called, I was literally just like, wait, are they legit? <laughs> Did we just win? I was so surprised. Like, not surprised in what we're doing, the impact that we're having, but, man, there were so many incredible organisations and so many incredible groups. I don't know how, the, I don't know how they chose. Because like across the whole night, I was sitting there listening to all the different finalists and I genuinely, like there are so many people out there that were doing so many incredible things. And I think that was my biggest takeaway from the night was that 
there are so many incredible young people out there making a difference. And I love that they got the platform and we got the platform as well at Flourish Girl, but that so many young people actually got a platform to shine and to be recognized for all the work that they're doing. I know a lot of them, um, it's it's the work that they're really, really passionate about. And yeah, it's a, it was just a beautiful opportunity for people to be recognized and, and honored and celebrated for that passion that they have. But the deep willing willingness to make a difference and I think for us at Flourish Girl like that recognition was something that we'd never experienced before it was the first time that we've as an organization got an award like this and I think yeah I was in shock on stage I couldn't believe it and was really privileged at the same time to represent so many other organizations up there um, in the category to win and I think yeah, just celebrate the incredible facilitators that we have. I, I said in the speech that, yes, yes, this recognises all that we're doing, but it the award really recognises the incredible facilitators and their, their passion, their expertise, the work that they're doing in actually providing those safe spaces for young people. So, yeah, I was very shocked but absolutely honoured and um, it's been a really beautiful celebration that we've had um, for our facilitators as well. Well, uh, you mentioned you don't know how the the judges pick. I tell you what, that is a really tough category to to judge because it's um, our only one really that has you know groups of people, and it can be tricky sometimes because mm-hmm. you have the conversation of well, you know, this is a young achiever awards. The participants are young, but the it's not led by a young person. Mm-hmm. Is that eligible? So there's all these conversations, and I think where yeah. Flourish Girl was so such a, a strong candidate is it's so youth-led. Yeah. It's obviously the participants are all young people, so it just fits the bill and you have such a great impact across yeah. so many schools and so many young people. So it's a real credit to, to what you do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a real privilege to be awarded the award. And, um, yeah, I think to continue to platform the work that we're doing, I think that was um, through other partners being able to share the award and, yeah, really being recognised for all that we're doing and and everything that we hope to do in the future as well. There's so like, there's so much more that we want to be doing and helping so many more young people. So, yeah. Well, uh, before we wrap up, uh, I do have one final question for you, Ooh, okay. Fiona. So, you know, you're obviously on the Inspiration of Australians podcast and, you know, you've inspired me today. I've been taking some little notes here that I'll uh, carry into my daily to-do list with the three glass and three rubber balls. It was excellent. Yeah. I loved the reminders about, you know, taking time for yourself to make sure your own health, physical Mm. and mental, is really good because without that you can't then be at your best to support your staff and the people you're wanting to serve. So I guess it's a long lead-up to my question about what is it, Fiona, that inspires you, whether that's a person, you know, a philosophy on a day-to-day or wider, uh, what inspires you? Oh, I feel like that's such a beautiful question. Um, the first person that comes to my head, or the first two people that come to my head are my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, my dad was there on the night of the award and it was so beautiful. He had a pin that he'd, he'd been awarded previously and I asked him, I was like, what's the pin for? Like, I've never seen that before. And he goes, um, it was an award he received twice and the award was recognizing service above self. And 
I remember being there and like hearing that and just being like far out. That feels so relevant to how I feel about Flourish Girl. And yes, it's service above self and without the detriment of self. I think that's an important add-on that I would say. Um, But I think, yeah, just the way that my parents have always supported those in need, always been willing to um, go above and beyond for, yeah, the people around them, the sporting clubs. Like my my mum was involved in my gymnastics club for years and years and years. Like she did so much volunteer work. Um, but I think, yeah, just the the love and care that they have for other people. And I think I'm really privileged to have had so much of that ingrained in me. And they're the people that really inspire me to make a difference and to be able to grow and support so many young people across Victoria and hopefully Australia and hopefully wider than that across the world. And, yeah, I think for me it's connecting to what is my purpose and what is my why. Um, And my why is because I don't want young people to suffer with mental health challenges. I want all young people, I want all people, but I want all young people to be able to have permission to be themselves in all aspects of their life, whether that's mental health and talking about it, whether that's sport that they want to play, whether that's a job that they want to do, whether that's um, sexual orientation, whether that's like the people that they love, like whatever it is. I want people, I want all young people to be themselves and to thrive being themselves. So yeah, I'm grateful that I have that connection through my parents. <laughs> Shout out to amazing parents because, yeah. uh, you know, we've those of us who who have had amazing, loving, supporting parents, um, we're very lucky, and I think sometimes we we'll, may never truly know um, how lucky we are. So that's a, a wonderful, beautiful answer, Fiona. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely echo that and. I know the privilege in that as well, um, and I love that I get to use that privilege in a positive way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so where can people connect, you know, with Flourish Girl to find out more, you know, maybe yeah. to um, apply to be a yes, uh, please. <laughs> facilitator or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can follow us on Instagram at flourishgirl underscore. Uh, there's a link in there to our website, but the website is um, flourishgirl.org. So jump on there. We have applications open. Um, you can go join our team and there's an uh, there's a place that you can apply for being a facilitator, which we're always looking for. So no matter when you're listening to this, please, please, if you're interested, apply. Um, and then on LinkedIn as well, we're starting to post a little bit more. We're, we're getting better at posting on LinkedIn and getting better at posting on social media. So um yeah, there's some really exciting things happening in the next couple of months and start of next year. So definitely stay tuned um, and follow the journey. But we're really excited where everything's going and would love to connect or to hear how you found the podcast and, um, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks for your time this morning, Fiona. Um, really appreciated it and, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me and allowing yeah me to share so much about Flourish Girl. The Inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia. We recognise, celebrate and share the stories of inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country. To find out more, 
To nominate an inspirational Australian in your life or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories.